is going, everyone? Crew, welcome back to episode of Crew Three Podcast. I'm Hills Ruckman. With me this time is Chris. Hey. Quick little update for everyone because we got a bunch of spoilers, so we're gonna do like we did last time That's and right. uh, put out a short episode early on the week. We got uh, I thought it was gonna be two days, but they've still been doing spoilers. So this is uh, Thursday through Saturday. That's right. What time is it, Ruckman? It's nine o'clock on a Saturday night. That's right. The regular crowd's rushing in, and we're here to deliver you the hot spoiler news for Pioneer. All right, so like we did last time, we're going to go date by date. We're going to start with just the – we're going to go rares and mythics for sure. And if there's some commons and uncommons, and boy, are there some commons and uncommons oh, to go caliente, from what a set. this what set. A what set. a set so far. Uh, so let's get started then with Arlen the Pax Hope, backside Arlen the Moon's Fury. But, gosh, you reading the backside of that card gave me a flashback. And I might just need a minute to recover from the trauma. Well, while you recover from the trauma, let's talk about how werewolves are different in this set. So if you didn't see and you haven't seen the spoilers, werewolves are going to work a little differently. Now they are night-bound and day-bound. The front sides will be day-bound, back sides will be night-bound. What that is is now there is a sort of global status on Mm -hmm. whether it's day or night. It doesn't matter until either a day-bound card or a card that sets day or night comes into play. Otherwise, you play the game normally, however once it's in play. You start tracking day or night, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what this means is all the werewolves will always have their backside up in nighttime. Uh, they'll have their front side up in daytime. There's some cards that don't follow this. Uh, so this is kind of just like the werewolf-specific way. Uh, and they are not eroding the older werewolves, which we'll right. talk about why the one of the legendaries in the set works the way they are. Mm-hmm. So um, honestly, this to me feels like, how do we make werewolves work for Arena? Yeah, yeah, give you some like uh, nifty universal mechanic, and it's my understanding that if I cast a werewolf and it's night, uh, it might come into play on its night bound side. If it's night, does that sound right? Correct. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, Permanents enter the battlefield night bound. There's a little. There's a little mechanic for it. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. I, I mean, let's just get right into it. How do you feel about that? I think it's fine. Again, I think it's definitely an arena change. I'm glad yeah. they're not going back and totally redoing all the other ones. It's definitely going to make it more intuitive now, but of course, it's not all of the the flip cards, right? Because like your, we'll see with spirits, they have a new mechanic where they have backsides if you play them from their graveyard, sort of like a new take on Eternalize or Entomb, right? Um, but so, I don't know, it just makes it more intuitive, right? Like there's not going to be, okay, well, your, your Huntmaster flipped, but mine's still on this side. And- yeah, that's true. That's true. E- easier to keep track of. I, I yeah. don't like it, but I do like your argument there where it's like, well, all of our things are going to be on the same side, right? We're always transforming on the same one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the rules have been updated a lot since the first Innistrad came out, really. I mean, like like from a judge's perspective, because the the, when the first Innistrad came in, I was still judging, right? Like, and I was like, you know, there were only in, in at least Texas that I knew, there were only a couple level twos. Like it took a, it was a big test to become a level one. Like when I was judging, right? Yeah. And I know when you started, kind of the kind of the same, but um, because I was judging during this time, I remember the rules changing a lot about like what you had to enforce uh, and whatnot. So the essentially the transform mechanic became kind of tricky. I was like, did something have to transform? Was it a beneficial trigger, quote unquote? You know, <laughs> we're not going to have a my mares aren't going to flip until it's going to win me the game. Right. Exactly. Right. Yep. You nail it. You nail it. Um, so, yeah, I think this just simplifies it, makes things a little easier, especially for newer players. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to make things a hell of a lot easier on Arena because 
you're not going to keep track of that. It's, right. The game's just going to do it for you, right? Well, we hope. Uh, <laughs> if we, ho- we hope. We hope. <laughs> you you also have to be able on. to get into a match on Arena for it yeah, to work, exactly right? right exactly. Um, anyway, so we've mentioned her. Let's say let's see what Arlen does. Of course, the front side is plane bound. She's a two red green for a planeswalker Arlen. She starts with four loyalty. Her plus one until your next turn, you may cast creature spells as though they had flash. Each creature you control has the battlefield with additional plus one counter on it. She has a minus three, which says create a two two green create two 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 green wolf creature tokens. That's pretty cool. But because she does have the day and night bound flip mechanic, if you don't cast any, if uh, a player doesn't cast two spells on their turn and it goes to day or night, we're just gonna say if it goes to night bound on these, right? We're just gonna when it goes to night bound, uh, her backside she has a plus two to add red green to your mana pool, and then she zeroes until end of turn. Arlen the Moon's Fury becomes a 5-5 five, five horrible creature with Trample and Destructible and Haste. Um, for those of you that don't know, Gideon's work differently because Gideon's kind of stay up, Gideon's will stay a Planeswalker, whereas Sark and Arlen here don't. Mm-hmm. So that's why Gideon has that prevent damage status on him, right. whereas Arlen and Sarkin just become creatures indestructible. Because they just become creatures, they lose that Planeswalker status, so they don't lose counters like Gideon's would if they didn't have that prevent damage ability on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll so, we'll have an update to how it works there. So so what do you think of Arlen here? Yeah, I, some people are real impressed. I mean, I definitely think it's fine. Um, you know, I, I think the cool thing about this set is because there are so many strong cards, we can pretty explicitly stick to um, examining things from a Pioneer perspective, unless you see something that, like, you know, you really love. And for Pioneer, I'm just not so sure, you know. Um, if if werewolves make a thing and you can make this night bound, I could definitely see getting the mana back. That was a big deal about Garouk, right? With the original four mana one, was you could untap two lands, right? Um, and so you know, at a two mana planeswalker, then we had a different story. Then it was really really good. But you know, it's definitely okay. I mean, you have his day bound. You you know, you get some 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 wolf tokens which protects itself, but. Uh, I, you know, I, I think it's fine. But again, in, in the context of Pioneer, which I think this set's good enough that we'll get to examine it from that, I, I'm not sold on it just yet. I think she's, it's a card I'm going to try out in, in Bard class for mm-hmm. sure, right? Like if we just get to cast her for two, she's not going to be free. Uh, what I do like about her is that her plus lasts until your next turn. Mm-hmm. So what I like about her is if we have an active Bard class out, we can plus her, pass to our opponent. And then if we're in like a more beatdown build instead of like the storm combo variant, we can just go off on our opponent's turn. And that way we get to untap the massive board and just kind of swing out. Yeah, I could see that as kind of making yourself a little bit wrath proof in, in whatever form of wraths are around. You know, there aren't many right now, but that's not to say there won't be with some of the cards that we'll we'll see coming up. Who knows, you know? Yeah, and I definitely think like the minus three it puts her to one loyalty, which is like kind of really iffy, but getting two tokens is really solid. I just think that for a planeswalker, there's already a lot of planeswalkers that I think are very good that don't see play. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she's better than a lot of them. I mean, like, right. you when you think about like at four, she's competing against Karn. If you go a mana step up, she's competing against like Nissa who shakes the world, all the Vivians. Like, there's a lot to compete with in Planeswalker. So maybe there's a weird mid-range deck where you play like one, maybe two of them and you're happy with it. Otherwise, I'm not super sold here. Yeah, I think that's a great analysis. All right, Sarah the Viper's Fang, two green green for a legendary creature, human warlock. It's a three, four. Uh other tap creatures you control have death touch, other untapped creatures you control have hex proof. One tap, untap another creature you or land you control. 
I think untapping the land here is pretty interesting. Um, outside of just having and just trying this dumb Finn the Fangbearer tribal, mm-hmm. I'm not expecting much here. Yeah, I think if you want to get cute with that combo deck, that's definitely a spot for it. Um, I mean, I, I, making untapped creatures you control with Hexproof, I could see that being interesting with, with some kind of combo deck, but I think a lot of the combo decks have their setups already, right? Mm-hmm. I, I do think this is worth mentioning because I do believe that um, the Declaration of Independence is rotating out of standard. So it even is. though I just said we mostly get to focus on Pioneer, I do think this is worth bringing up for its role in in standard because I do think it could it could have a place there. So Sure. I definitely think also giving your attacking creature, well, your tap creature, right? they don't have to be attacking. Uh, but like, if you're going up against the mid-range and you're just some weird little dinky aggro deck, giving all your guys death touch could also make just combat math insane for your, your opponent there, right? Like you can just yeah. throw it's, a wrench in the plans. It's repeatable protection also, right? So like your selfless spirits, which have to sack, this one just lets you tap it to save another creature because your untapped creatures have hexproof, right? So you can leave this sitting here and then you know your opponent, you know, whatever removal spell they're going to be playing, you know, they're like, oh crap, well now I've got this thing to deal with also, you know? But the, the deal there is if you had a casting a four mana green creature, you should probably just be more focused on beating down, but maybe in the sideboard, right? I mean, again, a lot of the control decks or mid-rangey decks we see in Pioneer are are a lot of one-for-one decks. So in that world that we live in, maybe this has a place, right? I mean, you know, being able to instant speed, give something hexproof uh, is is pretty nifty when you consider the fact that um, green doesn't have a lot of this kind of protection otherwise, right? Or, or your selfless spirits have to sack. Obviously, you've got things like heroic intervention, but in the form of a creature that you can also start getting frisk, frisky with if you want to, uh, maybe there's something there. For sure. All right, Chris, I think let's move on the next day. Let's do it. And I think there is a common you're going to want to talk about. Let's see here. Um, I'm assuming you were talking about ye olde uh, party crasher here. Yes, Kiln Fiend at home. Kiln Fiend at home. And it really is. I mean, if you look at the art here, this thing is... Uh, kind of a derpier version. So what, what, is the, what is the card, by Kill the way? <laughs> the card, by the way, is Festival Crasher. It costs a colorless. It costs a red. It is a 1-3. So interestingly enough, we've got Those are shot. Kiln Fiend stats. What's that? Those are Kiln Fiend stats, right? I thought Kiln Fiend was a 1-2. It might be a 1-2. Yeah, so we got I, one I was, more butt. Yeah, I was, I was pretty sure that it was. And I do think that is relevance. But instead of getting the plus 3 plus 0 that Kiln Fiend gets whenever you might cast an instant or sorcery, this one uh, gets plus 2 plus 0 whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell. So I do like surviving that shock range because obviously we have so many of those. But that minus 1 attack is is definitely a big deal. It definitely affects the math, especially when you consider that the primo spell to cast with this is obviously team or battle range. Uh, team or, wait, what did I just team or battle rage, uh, which is one less spell you have to cast, right? Because um, with the plus three plus so, I believe you just need two spells um, and a team or battle rage, because each each spell is plus three. That makes it a ten. Team or battle rage gives it double strike. Yeah, um, and then you know obviously in formats where you can play kill and fiend, you have mana morphos, which you don't have here. But that doesn't mean at some point I'm not going to sleeve this card up. I've played so much Kiln oh. Fiend in my time. My best yeah. performance at a GP was with the Kiln Fiend deck. So uh, I'm no stranger oh, don't worry. to Kiln Fiend. I'm going to have you throw a card in a little mix here at some point soon. That's it. That, that's it. 
All right, let's go to our next mythic enduring angel, two triple white for a three three angel. It has flying, it has double strike, and you get hexproof. I get hexproof. You get hexproof. Wow. Everyone gets hexproof. Whoa, just you. there we go. Uh, if your life total would be reduced to zero or less, instead transform enduring angel, and your life total becomes three. Then, if enduring angel didn't transform this way, you lose the game. Dang. And then the backside here is flying. You have hexproof, so we lose double strike here. Uh, angelic Enforcer's power tokens are equal to your life total, and whenever Angelic Enforcer attacks, double your life total. So you might be thinking, wait a minute, Ruckman, why is that weird clause there at the end of that flip ability? Well, we have here sort of Frexian Unlife. What's the other one? Um, angelic. Nine lives? Inter- not nine lives. The one for like Adnaz, besides. Um... Oh, anyway. Was unlife, right? Uh, it- angelic something uh anyway uh i'm not a modern player i don't pretend to be a modern (laughs) player (laughs) so if you get to if your opponent starts to flip this and you say uh uh, heartless act that Mm. well opponent loses the game so that's why that clause is there um what do you think is this our and i felt really bad when this card got spoiled because i was like oh white's still bad no 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 my friends i think there are some very good white cards coming up in this set um it just they all can't be home runs, right? No, not everything can. And there's it, definitely some risk reward here. There's so much to talk about. We can't go too much into this one, but I, I think it's interesting, right? I mean, if you're playing at your locals and you know that all your opponents uh, are going to fall in the trap of siding out all their removal against your very creature light deck, right? If they're just like, a, if you just see them doing it, I think you could potentially side this in just to get them. Right, there's going to be yeah. a lot of a lot of value here, and you know it's a flying double striker. It gives you hexproof, which is good against some of the burn stuff. So, assuming that you're not going to zero, I mean they have to get you through combat, right? Because we can't be targeted. So I could see against burnt, you know, giving us some hexproof, giving us something. So I think there's some niche spots here, but you know, unless there's some combo with this that I'm missing, uh, you know, we'll see. All right. Chris, tell us the next rare we got here. The next rare we've got here is Galvanic uh, Iteration. It costs, uh, is it? So it costs a blue and a red. It is an instant. And it says, whenever you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So kind of a fork variant, if you will. But it has flashback for one colorless plus is it. So you you get to something so nice you can do it twice. And that, that might do something here. You know, I don't know just yet, but since we have really limited fast mana in Pioneer, but I'm keeping my eye out on this card. You know, uh, obviously the problem with flashback stuff is that when you flash it back or it moves it from your graveyard, but flashback is such a strong mechanic. If you've never played with flashback before, you're about to learn because we've had a limited amount of flashback in Pioneer, given that Innistrad was the last really big set to feature it. Does that sound fair? Yeah. I mean, even the Innistrad Electric Boogaloo, didn't have as much flashback as, as this set seems to have already. Well, Innistrad didn't have flashback at all. Second Not Innistrad at all. didn't have flashback. I know no, it I had some graveyard so. matters because there was that... I don't uh, think it... I don't remember it having flashback. No. Yeah, it may not have had that. It may not have, this was flashback coming back into stuff. Pioneer because you had, like... The is it mechanic right in Ravnica was jumpstart. So, yeah, there, I don't think... I don't remember it. I don't think there was flashback. This is flashback coming into Pioneer. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And and uh, so, you know, if you haven't seen it yet, you're going to learn how good it is because it's a pretty strong mechanic, right? I mean, you really have to consider the whole card. If you haven't seen it before, there's a card called Think Twice. That card was one of the number one played draw spells. And you're going to go look it up and be like, wait, what? This card was one of the... Yes, that card, because you get to, you know, pay over time and do stuff like that, you know, or, or think about it this way, right? If we're going to be in a mill-focused deck, hey, we can mill ourselves and get free access to spells, so it's not always that you're just casting both halves. You could theoretically mill with our new 
our new one blue cantrip or our new our surveil mechanic, whatever we're doing, and get access to free spells out of our yard. So it's, very strong. It's no, you know, I really want to think twice to come back because I just love telling an opponent think once, think twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, galvanic iteration here. I think the big deal is that it's not a cop. It's like a preemptive fork. You don't get to like see what your opponent does and then fork it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So your opponent's going to know know that something's coming here. Now, obviously, if you're I don't think there's anything to really combo with it just yet. Uh, maybe there's a real world where we play like Jeskai with approach. You know, we get to mm-hmm. cast our approach. We get to play this, hey, approach, copy approach, bing, bang, boom, we're in there. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do, you, what do you think here? I, I don't know what we're copying just yet, um, but I can see a world where this is relevant. Yeah, I think, you know, in the world with Expressive Iteration, all things are possible, you know? Or since there's so many spells that, like, want you to discard cards and whatnot, this is a way to get around that, you know, the extra cost that is associated with a lot of those cards. So, you know, just it's it's a cheap spell that lets us double up on the things we already wanted. So I don't, you know, again, it's going to be amazing. I'm not sure. But maybe even you want this in the in the Jeskai Ascendancy deck. You might not, right? Maybe we've got enough, a uh, solid enough concentration of spells plus the way, you know, with Sylvan Awakening, we animate our lands into creatures, it may not be necessary, but it's worth keeping an eye out, you know? This is kind of some of, like, at least in my case, these are, like, our first reactions to some of these cards. We're trying to give them as we come out, so we may think more about them and and give uh, bigger presentations on them in the future, but for now, we're kind of just giving our initial ratings on cards. Yep. Alright, let's talk about probably my biggest letdown so far on the set. So when when the big uh, presentation was happening, I was in a meeting, so I didn't get to see spoilers until after the fact. So when I saw five lands and my the dyslexia kicked in, I thought these were fast lands and not slow lands. Mm-hmm. Now I'm less excited about these. So we have a cycle of five lands. I'm assuming we're going to see the rest of the cycle in the next set. So we get the allied colors here. So, of course, our Slesnia, Azorius, Rakdos, Demir, and Gruul. Uh, what these do are, they're dual lands, they're non-typed, they enter the battlefield tapped unless you control two or more lands, two more other lands. So I think these are a big step up over, because I saw people be like, oh, finish like the BFZ cycle. I'd rather have these over the BFZ cycle, yep. <laughs> to be honest. At least we don't have to have basics. Mm-hmm. Um, what What do you think, right? Like, I think, I don't even know if they're going to break into Pioneer, uh, but I do think the blue ones are going to be pretty solid for standard especially. Yeah, exactly. I, I think you nailed it. I mean, at least it's what I'm, that's what I've been feeling about it, is that the blue ones are going to be good, because you can afford to play, right? You're, you're going to want to hit a lot of your land drops anyway, or maybe some kind of green ramp deck, but I'm not super excited about the rest of them. The other ones, the fast lands, would be a million times better, but the blue ones, if you're going to play some kind of control deck, the mana's been so bad, I think, in some of the allied colors, I think this really does help them out, so. I mean, look. They look great with the full arts. What can I say? Knocked out of the park once again. Yeah. I love the Rakdos one so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the art on these is top-notch for sure. All right. Who we got next, Chris? Uh, Jadar is who I'm seeing. Is that who you're seeing? That is who I'm seeing. What, is, right. what does Jadar do? Jadar uh, is the ghoul caller, first of all, of Nefalia. Uh, Nefalia, you know, a place we all like to vacation sometimes during our summer times. And like go down uh, here, to the beach? Yeah, exactly right. This is the ghoul caller of it, so... Uh, Jadar, I'm assuming I'm saying that right, costs a colorless and a block. It is a legendary creature, human wizard, for a stat block of 1-1. At the beginning of your end step, if you control no creatures with Decayed, 
make a 2-2 black zombie creature with Decade. Now, we haven't talked about Decade yet, so Decade is a new keyword coming in. Mostly I've seen it on tokens, but there's some interesting cards we'll see later that can give Decade uh, the Decade ability to other stuff. Decade just means it can't block, and then at the end of a combat, when it attacked, you sacrifice it. So you can leave it sitting there because it can't block, but once you attack with it and, you know, after the damage step happens, then it dies, no matter what happened. So... You just get a little, uh, this seems like a worse... Zombie Ophiomancer, right? Yeah, exactly right. There you go. Took the words out of my mouth. I don't have many more things to say about it. I don't think this card um, is very good. I think the fact that it wizard, maybe there's some party shenanigans to be had if Black Party were to ever be a thing. But, you know, it, it always has its little companion. As soon as you don't have one, you get it back. But it does die to a lot. I mean, the fact that it does come with a, a little buddy is nice. But, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure a two-mana 3-3 three, three is, is there. Yeah, right? he's not really – uh, he's not setting the world on fire here. Yeah, yeah. The I, the best thing you could say about it, I think, is that if you, you know, kill that part of the creature, you still get a 2-2 two, two token. Mm-hmm. Uh, just obviously a 2-2 two, two token probably. I, but it has that. to even make it to your end step, though, the turn you play it. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's got to survive. And then, again, your token only your, – your token has decayed. So as yeah. soon as you attack with a token one time, it's dead. So I think if it just came with a 2-2 zombie, that'd be maybe maybe have a little more use. But in, in this case, eh. All right, let's go on to what the people have really been waiting for. People have, for quite a while now have wanted a legendary werewolf for their credits. Of course, we had Ulrich of the Kralen Horde, but he doesn't really count. So we got a true-to-form, real good EDH werewolf legendary here. So we have Tovalar. We have Toblerone Roll, Dire Overlord, (laughs) and of course, backside, Toblerone, the Midnight Scourge. Mm -hmm. So frontside, Human Werewolf, we got a 3-3. When a wolf or werewolf enters the battle, deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Okay, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Uh, The good thing is the way werewolves work, even if it's a frontside, even if it's like the human frontside, we're still going to draw a card because they're still werewolves. Uh, Then at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more wolves or werewolves, it becomes Night then transform any number of human werewolves you control. So that's what I was talking about where I said um, this is a text to sort of let us control when our old werewolves flip, right? Because there aren't – when you flip it to night, when you flip it to nightbound, right, all of your new werewolves are going to flip over and match night side mm-hmm. with that ability. But your your old werewolves won't because they aren't day and night bound. So what this mm-hmm. does is you get to be night. It'll flip all your new werewolves. And then you get to flip your old werewolves as well. And, of course, like I said, these are day and night bound. The back side here, whenever a wolf or werewolf creature you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card once again. So we get to keep that ability. And the back side ability now has X, red, green. Target wolf or werewolf you control gets plus X, plus O, and again, shuffle plan turn. So we get a little bit of a, uh, what's it, wolf run? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly right. So we get Wolf Run on the back side here. This card is really sweet. It's a 4 on the back, too. Also, please take note, this is put on the Discord, and I can never unsee it, so I want to ruin this card for you, too. The Werewolf side has real tiny little legs. Yeah, yeah, it does. They This Werewolf has been skipping leg day. Uh, for our listeners out there, don't be skipping leg day. You know what I'm saying? The, the artist was like, like this werewolf. Making, a, making a birthday sign, and they're like, happy birthday, big ass H, big <laughs> A, big P, oh no, tiny P, tiny Y. I feel like that's what happened with the legs here. Yeah, pretty pretty much, yeah. the uh, <laughs> Yeah, that didn't work out. No, that's that's too funny, yeah. Um, um, how do you feel about this card in Pioneer? I don't know if we have quite enough werewolves for it. 
quite enough yeah. good werewolves. This is again, this is one of the cards I'm at to sit down, go look through, be like, does the math add up here? Um, I do like it though. I think, you know, especially when even like we have like werewolf pack leader now, right? Like mm-hmm. we got werewolf pack leader going. If we get to turn to werewolf pack leader into this turn four, if we don't have another way to give haste, we get to draw two car- at least two cards from that pack tactic trigger here. Uh, definitely this isn't a card we can play on our own. It's not like while well, werewolf who are just like, it's not hot mask fells right. We just throw into our, our mid range deck and call it a, like we need to do other things with werewolves here. Well, here's my consideration for you. I, I have a counterpoint for you to listen to here. Okay. Um, in our bard class deck, right? I know it's got plenty of stuff, but here's another legendary creature for the beatdown version. Once we've activated our bard class, our stuff gets much cheaper, right? So this is one, right? Assumingly, we're going to flip it. But the rest of our cards were cheap, too. Uh, we might want things to do with our mana. And I think this could go in the more beatdown version because it says target wolf or werewolf you control. This thing can target itself, Right. So for two mana, it gains trample if you want, and your opponent doesn't know what you know what you're going to pump it into. So you know, I don't know. There's got to be some other wolf or werewolf like, out there that we're, we can we're play. already we're already playing Ronus, or you can play Old Nile if you want to. I just don't think it's a, it's a role filler in Bard class. Fair enough, fair enough. My my thought was, hey, you know what? This versus uh, Ronus, Ronus indestructible is nice, but this gets that extra cost reduction from it. So I was like, maybe it's a thought. And again, you know, maybe for budget considerations, it's there. If it's just a fun version, because this also has the advantage of drawing a card. So you trample, it replaces itself when you draw, right? Because whenever a wolf or if you control those combat damage, you draw a card. Um, and then you can just cheaply give it trample or pump your mana into it since you don't, Man, you don't pay if, a lot for your spells. If we just had like Reckless Waif and some other, like there are definitely, it's close, right? Like we're going to have a card coming that I think is also going to make a good argument for werewolves. But like we really need some good one drops. Like if we had like Reckless Waif or something like that, I would be more into this. I We need like a good one drop Reckless Waif type werewolf. Yeah, totally fair. Totally fair. All right. What's our next card? Uh, next card is Sagarda. Sagarda is back. Uh, fan favorite Sagarda this time as the, the, the only the only angel alive. Yeah, the only one left alive. Uh, she went out and became a druid, folks. That's how she's still here, basically. Um, so Sagarda costs uh, a colorless, a green, and double white for a four four philampler, which is Ooh, a flame trample. Mm-hmm, got the flample back there. Um, humans we control get plus one plus one. And it's got the Coven ability. So if you Coven, which is a new keyword we'll explain, Coven requires you to have three creatures with different powers. And it counts itself. So you do have to control three creatures, which was what everybody's complaining about with this. But if you do... Um, when Sagarda attacks... When it attacks, right. You look at the top five cards of your library, you may reveal a human creature card from among them and put it into your hand, put the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order. I don't know. How do you feel about this one? If we were like a 3-3 three, three and cost 3 mana, I would be all over this because we're just jamming it into Coco. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I think I do think it needed to cost less. I think 4 is a lot, at least for the Pioneer perspective of this. Um, hey, Pioneer perspective. Haha. <laughs> uh, little, little accidental pun there. Otherwise, I'm with you. The Coven ability just is difficult to trigger. It requires a lot of resources, and there's a lot of one for one going on on Pioneer. So maybe, but I'm not sold on it right now. Yeah. I mean, look, if there is going to be like a white green humans deck, maybe we could play her off Coco, right? Like, I've played decks before where you play like two or three creatures that you're just not going to hit with Coco. Mm-hmm. And if you hit them, it's going to feel bad. Like, she digs, which is really nice. She's a Lord effect that Flample's not something to scoff at. But for Pioneer, probably out. Yeah. Standard, though. I think this card could be a house. Could be. 
Could be. All right, what's our next rare going on our here? Our next rare is Brutal Cathar in Backside Moon Rage Brute. Brutal Cathar is two and a white for a 2-2 two, two human soldier werewolf. When this creature enters the battlefield or transforms into Brutal Cathar, exile target creature and opponent controls until this leaves the battlefield. And the backside is just is first strike, ward pay three life, and it's a 3-3. Three, three. This one, I think, is super interesting, and if there are plenty of ways... Too to control flipping back and forth, you could really add up how many cards are under here. Yeah, I, I'm with you. The fact that this could potentially snag two creatures, you know, it, it survives the front half of uh, of uh, Fatal Push, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm interested. You know, I'm not guaranteeing we got a lot of cards to look at here, but this is definitely one to keep your eye on. I mean, the backside's nothing to, to, to scoff at. That, like, even... Ward, Ward pay three life, three, three first striker. It's, yep. it's well-statted. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you definitely want to keep this on the backside as much as you can. That Ward pay three life is a definite cost to uh, to kill in this thing, right? And, and they I get like their stuff where, back, they were going to have it anyway. And it's so nice, too, right? Because if you play it, on nightbound right so it enters as the three three and hey something happens we're flipping back well now you get to snag something with the front side Mm -hmm. exactly right exactly yeah color me very interested with this card that's for sure we we did skip over a common i think is worth mentioning i don't think it's going to be interest it's going to be super relevant but i think it's Mm -hmm. worth mentioning okay and that is secrets of the keys and boy is is it suck this card was printed with consider in the same set so for a single blue you get an instant lets you investigate uh but if you get to flash it back you can investigate twice. So here's our thing, here's our think twice variant, right? Uh, we get to investigate once, investigate twice. Um, I I just wanted to file it was funny to bring because there's so many cantrips in this set. You know, Seekers the Keys, not a true cantrip. Uh, it's one minute to get an artifact, though. So maybe that's pretty relevant. You can flash it back another artifact, right? And obviously there are some cards in Pioneer that do care about investigating. Mm-hmm. So there could be something here. I just thought it was worth pointing out there. Uh, what's our next rare? Or is there uh, another common or uncommon you want to talk about? Um, I am... I'm going to wait. I think there's some okay commons and uncommons, but I'm not super impressed with any of them. The only one I think going up the list that I would want to mention for sure uh, for now would just be that uh, Famous Foragers gets uh-huh. you a bunch of your mana back. Uh, I can't promise you that it's uh, necessarily Pioneer playable, but hey, you go to combat, you for some reason have four mana, whatever deck, you get, you get three red back and you know, we've obviously seen since there's such a starvation for for mana give back effects in Pioneer, with the exception of like the Lotus Field deck. Maybe there is something there. But um, our next rare, if it's okay, I believe is Light Up the Night. One of my favorite rock band four songs, and also a great just hair band that also is weirdly based on the Mega Man franchise. Well, so go. go look up Light Up the Night by the Proto Men. I you won't be disappointed. There you go. And this in this particular one, uh, Chandra's looking like a uh, like a metal hairband performer, if you will. Hair's That's literally on fire, doing some slanging. Uh, Light up the night costs X and red. It's a sorcery. Um, it deals X damage to any target. It deals X plus one damage instead if that target is a creature or a planeswalker. So we get a little bonus there. But we can flash it back for three colorless in a red. Um, and we remove X loyalty counters from among planeswalkers we control. Uh, X cannot be zero, though. Uh, you know, obviously that way you could just deal one damage to a creature for four. Mm-hmm. So that replaces your X for however many loyalty counters you removes. Um, I, I don't think this card's very good or worth talking about a long time, but you, you tell me. It's just a, it's the fireball variant, right? Yeah. 
I mean, maybe, right? I mean, if there's like a red-green Walkers deck or like the, the Luka control variant comes back where you're going to play a bunch of Planeswalkers, then then maybe I could see it. But I don't think enough Planeswalkers just have just so much loyalty to give that you can just sit there running this around. But, I mean, it's two removal spells in one. So I, I definitely could willing to be proven wrong here. But <clears throat> for now, I think it's just very expensive. All right, well, here's a card I want to talk about because I think the flavor here is awesome. Mm-hmm. We have Doll Stitcher. And the Toy Factory. Yeah. So Doll Stitcher is two and a blue for whatever a creature... Whenever you cast an instant... Or sorry. It's two and a blue for a human wizard. Two, three. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a two, two black zombie creature token with Decade. Right. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more creature tokens, you may transform Doll Stitcher. And what happens if we do? Well, we get the Toy Factory, which is an artifact that says creature tokens you control... Lose all abilities and have base power and toughness. 3-3, three, three, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may transform the Toy Factory. Yeah. This is hot because it's not day or night bound. Right? Yes. Yeah. And also, hey, I'm running out of tokens. Okay, we can flip back to the Doll Stitch for a couple turns, make some more tokies, flip back to the fa- the, the Toy Factory. Yeah. The reason I think this has a lot of potential is it's just it's an anthem for your tokens that you kind of want anyway, right? Mm-hmm. It's it you know it's not just the tokens that it makes that it cares about. All of my tokens are base power toughness three three. So we already saw the whatever you know something of the dance right that makes me some one one humies. Yeah. So at the beginning of my upkeep, if I control three or more creature tokens, I can transform this. Oh look, all of my creature tokens are now three threes, right? They lose any other abilities, so we can't make flyers. Yeah. But in general, this seems like a pretty strong card. I think I think this could make its own little pioneer deck. I'm not saying this is going to be top tier pioneer. It passes the, fr- the it passes the fatal push te- the non-revolt fatal push test, right? It passes our wild slash test. Yep. Now, there's a lot to this. And again, just the fact that it gets all creatures or all my creature tokens, you could definitely make some kind of blue-white creature token, or like I said, Bant creature tokens deck, and have this just as one of the features. I mean, this this making your creature tokens big is, is pretty huge, you know? And like, what are they going to do? Sideboard and artifact hate for this? Maybe, but you might not be caring that much about that anyway. You know, it's not an enchantment, so they've got to choose their, you know, whatever they're, unless they're playing a wear tear, they've got to choose their removal wisely. Agreed. All right, because all I clicked right. on that, I have to get back to where I was, so... <laughs> All right, you want me to do the next one? Yeah, go for it. Um, the next one is Geist Flame Reservoir. At least that's what I see. Uh, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a charge cow on it. A charge cow. Charge counter on it, even. Uh, and then you can pay two mana. Uh, it's an artifact, by the way. Uh, two mana and tap to remove any number of charge counters from Geist Flame Reservoir. It deals that much damage to any target. Or you can pay two mana to exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. All right, are, are, are you excited for this one? Does this tickle your fancy? Wow, yeah, I had not seen this yet. This is a better Dynavolt Tower. Um, if we weren't, man, there's just there's so much to talk about, but this is definitely interesting because <clears throat> the thing about this, it's better than, um, like, because I've gone deep down the Is It Rabbit Hole. I used to play Firemind's Research, right? Mm-hmm. And that one you did removed two for five or something like that, but you had to have a certain number of counters on it. This is more versatility. Right. It just lets us it lets us give us access to more cards. Right. Or we can just start nuking stuff and we get to nuke stuff at our convenience. So uh, color be interested in this card. I mean, this is like maybe Dynavolt Towers, uh, you know, either five through eight or, you know, numbers five and six, something like that. Maybe it's your primary Dynavolt Towers a backup. But this 
there, there could be something here with how much you know flashback and extra spells you have in this set. Ooh, maybe. Uh, it's also, definitely getting playable. to dig you deeper while you're setting up for the kill, like yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. Uh, I want to. I don't really. Oh, actually, it is rare. We do get to talk about it. Let's talk about like the best art so far. Okay. In can't stay away. Oh yeah. White white and the black for a sorcery. Return target creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains if this creature would die exile instead. And has flashback for three white black. So it's not rights, but it's got some cute kitty cat art, including a ghost cat. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm in on this card. I think this card might be insane. This gets us our Loris back without stopping us from playing Loris in the first place. Yeah. Right. So the fact that this costs, well, I guess it's spells could cost any amount, right? It's permanent. Yeah. Eh, whatever. Um, and it's got flashback for five. So, I mean, in kind of our our mini game, right, where we're playing more small ball than modern goes, you know, I, I like this. You know, we'll see some reanimator stuff coming up later in, in this set. And I just, I don't think that reanimator is bad in Pioneer. I just think that our, our creature selection for targets is not as good as it is in some of the other formats where it's playable. And again, the best graveyard hate is Pioneer playable, the best in all of the formats, so it becomes harder. But something like this where you're not super reliant on it, like you could easily play a couple of these and then side them out after game one uh, to be less reliant on the graveyard. I like this card a lot. Not in my top five, but you know, not probably probably inside my top 15 or 20. All right, well, here's another one that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Curse of Leeches, also yeah. horrifying artwork. Oh, God. Two, two and a black for an enchantment or a curse. Enchant player, as this permanent, as this permanent transforms into Curse of Leeches, attach it to a player. Well, that's going to be relevant. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of your, each of enchanted players' upkeep, they lose one life and you gain one life. And this is, of course, Daybound. So, hey, Nightbound hits. All the mm-hmm. werewolves flip. Also, a giant leech leaps out of your opponent's eyes. Mm-hmm. And now you have a 4-4 lifelinker. Yep. And then that's all it does. And then, hey, if it flips back, well, you get to reattach that curse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I, I don't know 100% that this is going to be playable given the quality of creatures and stuff in Pioneer. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's not too far off, you know? Yeah. What's also it, interesting is that it's not opponent. So if for whatever reason opponent has hexproof and you're trying to jam this, mm-hmm. we can still enchant ourselves with it. Right. And because we gain the life, it's just a net zero. Right. We can just keep it until we get our 4 4 lifelinker back. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. It'd Not be that's the if best could... plan, but. No, I don't know. But it's a plan, right? I mean, I, we don't definitely don't want to be having a 4 4 every now and again, but that life loss is not super irrelevant, you know? But I don't want to spend more time talking with us than we need to, given that we're, we're not super impressed with yeah. it. But, uh, you know, there's something there. Well, let's talk about Nate's favorite card of the set, I'm assuming. Let's do it. With Consuming Ooze, three green green for an ooze that has star and star plus one. Those are, hey, where do we, where have we heard those stats before? I don't know. Probably never. I think there's a, a certain Tarmogoyf. A certain Tarmogoyf, huh? A certain, probably a specific Tarmogoyf. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Consuming Ooze's power is equal to the number of card types among cards in your graveyard, and its toughness is equal to that plus one. So, big difference here with Tarmogoyf is it just cares about our graveyard. Right. So, you know, hey, if you're used to playing with Delirium, there you go. At the beginning of your end step, create a green Ooze creature token with this creature's power toughness equal to the number of card types among cards in your graveyards and it's toughness equal to that number plus one. So every turn we don't get to make a copy of it because 
the copies can't make more. Right. Uh, but we do get to make another mini goif every turn. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Traverse the Ovenwald is one of the most criminally underplayed cards in, in Pioneer, and I really do think it's waiting for its time. Obviously, with cards like Goblank in the format, it, it's just tough. I, I really just do think there is too much graveyard hate in the format, because cards like this I do think would have a chance, right? We we do see 5-mana, 4- and 5-mana creatures being played in the format. People are paying 5-mana for Nisses, so it's slow enough you could do it, and I think this card would have it's- a chance in that for how much card advantage that it gives you. But it's at the know. beginning of end step two. So the turn you play, you're going to get another one. You get another and one. It, yep. it dodges. It's fully dodges fatal push, right? Yep. Yeah, for sure. And then again, I guess if, if there's any upside, it's that if they take away your graveyard, it doesn't die. It just it takes it back to zero for a couple turns while you rebuild it. So yeah. again, you know, th- there's potential here. I just there's too much incidental graveyard hate that I think it's going to be you know, worse than it would be. Otherwise, I think this card would really have a shot and maybe it still does. Again, I'm, I am really looking for cards that play with Traverse Uvenwald because that card is so good. All right. Well, let's talk about a card that I think has nothing but potential in the format. Yep. Break it down for us, Chris. All right. This card is Right of Harmony. Um, it is a green and a white and you're going to be Come immediately aware of why this card has broken written all over it. It is an instant, and whenever a creature or enchantment enters the battlefield under your control this turn, draw a card. Right? Is, is that all it does, Ruckman? Uh, I think you get to flash it back, too. Oh, I get to cast it twice. It's so nice I get to cast it twice. That's right. This card has flashback uh, for double its cost, right? I mean, it's you still pay the green and the white, but you can pay two colorless on top of that. So for four mana total, two colorless, a green and a white, you can flash this back. And as we already talked about, you don't have to cast the front half of this to get the, the flashback cost if you don't want. If you just flip it to the yard with something and then just have enough mana to start going off, you could. Obviously, we're hoping to cast both sides of this because the front half is so cheap, or at least the, the first time you cast it being so cheap, but uh, I mean, what do you have to say about this one? So, so this isn't the first time a glimpse effect is pioneer legal because we do have Beck that's been legal in the format. Yes, from yeah, Return Graphic a Block. Beck is um, the uh, blue green one, right? Yeah, but how weird is it, right, that for just a single man or more, not only do we get to glimpse at instant speed, uh, but also. It's an enchantress effect, not just yes. for creatures. Right, right. And I think that's what makes it huge, because I really do think this has potential in an enchantments thing. I mean, you have Chain to the Rocks. It's a popular removal spell right now. Um, Portable Hole's an artifact, right? But uh, there is a lot of white removal spells that happen to be enchantments. And as you know, I do love me some, you know, model white enchantress uh, type effects or green white enchantress type effects especially with sphere of safety and things like that well that card might be a little too expensive you know you have uh, wolf willow haven you've got a lot of uh, enchantment mana accelerants in green that can really help you fill this up if that's your fast mana right now you're talking about potentially some kind of not a full combo but how crazy is that right to get to like play this if you've already got a wolf willow haven down play another one tap it for mana to play more stuff and just keep drawing cards. I mean, it's going to take a couple lands in play, but that's your enchantment angle on it. Let it, alone... also, it also doesn't care if they're token creatures. Yes, so exactly right. It does not say the, non-token creature. Is, so... This card is going to... I don't know if it has a... Like, it, there's not a home for it right now, right? This right. is a deck. This is a card that is going to make a home for itself. Agreed. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see that a lot this set. There's three other cards that is slotted into a home, right? But that was the power of AFR was, hey, we have a lot of cards here that is slotted into homes. Yep. This set is going to be making homes. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. 
All right. Our next rare is Curse of Shaken Faith, one in red for a curse. Whenever enchanted player casts a spell, other than the first spell they cast each turn, or copies a spell, Curse of Shaken Faith deals two damage to them. So it just says, how hard, how how do you want to kill Lotus Field, right? Do you yeah. want to Alpine Moon them, or do you want to watch them kill themselves slowly and watch the agonizing defeat crawl over their faces that realize they're going to die this way? Yep. I, that's pretty much all I got to say. Yeah, uh, yeah. Here's a car, here's, you go. Here's a car with, here's a kid who got their head stuck in the fence called the fire department. Um, here we go. All right. Here's where we're talking about that decay with some sick, sick art oh. in Gissa Glorious Res- Resurrector. Sorry. There you go. You got to it. Like it's, it's, hey, we started at nine o'clock and now that it's 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So two black, black for a four, four legendary creature, human wizard. Your creature and opponent controls would die. Exile instead. Okay. So some Kalidas vibes. Yeah. At the beginning of your upkeep, put all creatures exiled this way with Gissa, Glorious Resurrector, onto the battlefield and under your control. They gain Decayed. Oof. I get everything I kill of my opponents, at least for a short amount of time. Yeah, but here's my problem with it, right? Mm -hmm. If I attack with them, then they just get to go back to their own graveyard. I thought Decayed... Oh, Oh, no, Decayed Exiles. Decayed Exiles. Um, well, I think it does say when it attacks, sacrifice it at the end of combat. Does Decayed not exile as well? No, it just, it is just sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So for some reason I was thinking like, does Decayed exile as well? No, but it is just sacrifice, right? So, and it's What's only it? creatures that opponent controls. So if you attack with them, they're going to just end up back in opponent's graveyard. Yeah. And this is a weird effect because it says if an opponent's creature would die, exile it instead, but it looks like it brings them back to the battlefield and then they go back to their graveyard. So at, that's the, on, little... at, your, at your upkeep, right? So uh, you kill their 2-2 two, two at the end of their turn, right? You fatal push their guy. Well, at the beginning of your next turn, you get their 2-2. Two, two. Uh, if you want to attack with it, you can. Then you sacrifice. Otherwise, you just get to sit there with it. And, and that's pretty cool, though, because, you know, think about think about it in this way, in that, you know, I'm going to play this. I'm going to kill something. As long as it lives to my next upkeep, which, you know, it, it does die to the backside of a fatal push, so that there is that aspect of it. But, you know, as long as it happens, this thing could die and I still keep my opponent's creatures. So until they deal with it, you know, I'm keeping their creatures around um, at least just to sit on my board and confuse them or, or you know, make them concerned about some kind of alpha stripe type effect until I've got it. I'm obviously not using those creatures until whatever. And then let's say I steal something like my opponent's magmatic channeler. Oh, that's big, right? That ain't ever attacking. <laughs> no. Right? I mean, think about the creatures I can steal that we're just using for their abilities. I mean, there's quite a few utility ones out there. So, obviously, Pioneer is a format where we beat down, but, you know, my dream is just to kill kill my opponent's Omnath. <laughs> you know, and it's like, huh, look what I get now, right? Or opponent's <laughs> you Magmatic Channel or something like that. I made this. That's exactly right. So, uh, I think this might have a home in Pioneer. I don't know how good it's going to be, but I would venture to say that other than the fact this card is worse against Burn because it lacks that lifelink and we'll probably keep Kalidus in it for that. I think the utility there is probably too good. This is a Kalidus light, you know, and I think the fact that it competes with Kalidus may be the only thing that keeps it out, but I could definitely see certain matchups or certain wonky, wonky interactions that only Claudio is going to discover that, uh, that, that make this tier one. Yeah, I think Cletus, like, you're, the cards are just going to be gone forever, right? Mm-hmm. You're for sure going to get the tokens and then lifelink is so big. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, moving on. I don't want to talk about the card, but hey, we put me with the bucket of cheese balls at 3 I'm on a magic card in Pantry Zombie. <laughs> yeah. um, here Dissipate we go, though. Reprinted. Dissipate's a pretty solid reprint mm-hmm. with some cool art. 
Yep. The art in this set is awesome. Uh, we have now we have Blade Stitch Scob for blue and a black. We had a two three zombie soldier. Other zombies you control get plus one plus oh. Yeah, there's something for you. Um, I do want to talk about Gavity Dawnguard. Yeah, one white white for a three three human soldier. All right, we're doing good there with Ward one. And if it's neither day nor night, it becomes day as Gavity Dawnguard enters the battlefield, which is kind of cool because. Uh, you know, hey, if we wanted to start the day-night cycle without anything on the board, this does it. And then whenever day becomes night or night becomes day, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card with mana value three or less from among them and put it into your hand for the rest of the bottom of your library in any order. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, pretty nifty. I mean, it's it's got some protection. I I don't know, again, I think whether or not this is playing your playable does depend on how much, you know, people are playing werewolves. I think this is definitely a fun hate card in your sideboard. If you're a local Pioneer metagame, since Pioneer seems to be popping back up at a lot of locals, if somebody is playing the werewolves, a lot of people obviously like some Huntmaster of the Fells type shenanigans. So with that, you could definitely play this. I think, you know, when there's a lot of cards flipping back and forth, this is a ton of card advantage. Outside of that, I really don't see it seeing play, but I think it's a card worth mentioning, like you said, just because if Werewolves does get popular, people want to play with their new cards, you could definitely have this as kind of a, a hedge against that. So there is actually an uncommon that we skipped that I do want to talk about. Okay. In Flame Chandler, for one in a red, it's a 2-2 human wizard. When a spell you control deal damage, transform Flame Chandler. Mm-hmm. The backside is a 3-3 elemental wizard in the embodiment of Flame. Whenever a spell you control deals damage, put a flame counter on Embodiment of Flame. Then you can pay one mana, remove a flame counter from Embodiment of Flame, exit on the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. What do you think? Uh, we got a little bit of a, an upgrade for Burn here. They don't want to play Viashino Pyromancer anymore. Now we have a Burn value engineer. Uh, yeah, you, you're not wrong. I could definitely see this. I mean, the fact that it's a wizard also mm-hmm. is pretty interesting because, you know, the wizard is pretty strong. I mean, it's a two mana, three, three. I, I think the only thing there you might see is that I think the spells decks are going to be more popular. But if you do like wizard channeler, I don't see why you wouldn't play this, right? I mean, you, you feed your spells into more spells, right? Each spell gets you an extra card to look at and see. And that's pretty relevant because, again, one of the problems you see out of the is cards is that a lot of times they're not a ton of card advantage. A lot of times they're more card selection. Um, obviously yeah. expressive iteration excluded but again i i still question whether or not that that card belongs in every single aggro deck you know so sure. maybe it does maybe it doesn't but either way when you start looking at some of the wizard decks that were going off you know like adelie some wizard prowess stuff this just gives you more access to more spells i mean i i would definitely be playing it in my wizard's deck mm-hmm. definitely uh so we haven't um there hasn't been a, a card really with the mechanics pulled yet that I think is going to be breaking into Pioneer. I do want to mention the Disturb mechanic here with Devoted Graph Keeper. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of what I feel like Spirits is, it's unfortunately what Spirits has landed on with this set at least. Hopefully we get something else. Uh, We have seen some standalone Spirits that aren't really doing a whole lot. So what Devoted, what it is, I think it's it's the blue-white mechanic for this set. So like when Devoted Graph enters the battlefield, mill two cards, whenever you cast a spell from your graveyard, tap to a creature you don't control. Then it has the ability to disturb, where for one white blue, you can cast this card from your graveyard, but it's transformed to the backside. So we have a human peasant here on the backside. Now we have a spirit with departed soul keeper. It's a 3 1 flyer, but that can only block other creatures with flying. And then if it would be put into a graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. So Decade is kind of that uh, mechanic we were talking about earlier, where it's like the a take on like eternalize and uh, stuff like that. So your front side's gonna be a human, backside, we get our spirit. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's any small thing. This is a human. I think the human subtype here is super relevant. And, you know, it, it, there may be some kind of blue-white deck that wants something like this. I mean, the mill effect may or may not become relevant as we see more and more from the set in future sets. But I think the disturbability definitely is. It's just an early beater, and it comes back as a 3-1 flyer. That's pretty sick. So if our human deck either wants this, it's a, like a super grindy matchup, then awesome. I, I think, you know, our blue-white decks have relied more on disruption for our opponents. I'm thinking Paolo. I'm thinking uh, Skyclave Apparition. I'm thinking uh, Reflector Mage, right? So I'm thinking that those kinds of decks, at least that human variant probably wants it. But if you were just playing straight-up human beats, Maybe you could play this just for the fact that it comes back if you wanted it in some kind of grindier matchup or in any kind of way where you want to include a slight flashback mechanic in a, in like an aggro v aggro matchup, right? The fact that this taps a creature um, we don't control when we cast a spell from our graveyard could be the difference maybe in some kind of aggro matchups, but I, I don't know. It just seems like Reflector Mage would just be would be pretty good there, but it seems fringe, right? It seems like it's almost there. For sure. Uh, all right, let's talk about Falcon Wrath Luchador. That's it. Um, Falcon Wrath Pit Fighter here is a one. It's a two one vampire for a single red vampire warrior. Keep mm-hmm. that in the back of your mind. Ooh. And for one in a red, discard, sacrifice a vampire. Draw two cards. Activate only if an opponent lost life this turn. So, uh, is this? Uh, do you think there's be a chance we get to see vampires branch out from mono black? Maybe so. I I will tell you that I think that this card is Pioneer playable. I mean, it's a one-mana 2-1 with upside, and, you know, we've seen those decks be around. Even even if it just sacks itself? Yep. Uh, Right? I mean, you you get desperate, or, you know, your opponent's casting removal at one of your better vampires, and this is sitting around. Again, the thing is, it's a one-mana 2-1, so we don't need it to do a lot, right? We need it to beat down maybe for a couple turns. Now, obviously, if their opponent is smart and kills it on their turn, we can only sack that vampire if an opponent lost life this turn. But you could definitely see this getting outclassed by certain creatures and just wanting to sack it off when you get to ping somebody or when you get it in and you know it's kind of at the end of its road or you just need more cards. You know, it, it's going to be there, right? So, I mean, uh, the the drawback of, you know, opponent having to lose life, I think, is pretty massive. It will definitely limit the cases. But that kind of, I just consider the upside of being a one-mana 2-1 vampire, right? For so, sure. Can't promise it's worth pushing into red for, but this card's definitely uh, definitely playable. All right, do you want to talk? Is arcane infusion something you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I guess so. I, I don't think this card's that insane, but but maybe because again, this is the exact kind of thing that I I would play. Um, arcane infusion costs a red and a blue. It's an instant. You impulse. So you look at the top four cards of your library. Uh, sorry, I guess it's not a true impulse. You may reveal an instant or sorcerer card from among them and put it into your hand with the rest of the bottom of your library in the order. And it's got flashback for five. That flashback cost is just very, very expensive. So, you know, again, I think a Jeskai control might emerge from some of this type of thing. And this might be better than the card I was talking with Ed about earlier because it at least places itself. And then you get later in the game, you get more card selection. So, you know, for that, I could definitely see it, but you're, you're getting, you're competing with expressive iteration. That's the problem sure. I think right now in Pioneer. All right. Well, now we have Kessig Naturalist, uh, red and a green for a 2-2 human werewolf. When Kessig Naturalist attacks, add red or green. Till the next turn, you don't lose mana as steps and phases end. It's day bound. Of course, the backside here is Lord of the Uvenwald. Other wolves and werewolves you control get plus one, plus one. Same thing with the mana ability, and it's a 3-3 three, three instead. I think the cornerstone marquee, un- like the two mana uncommons, 
are very good. And this is another one that's very good. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this, again, things like this are why somebody might want to try and bring werewolves to Pioneer. You know, obviously Red Green's very good. You get uh, you get Embercleave, right? It's one of your major reasons. Embercleave is a card we don't see a ton of in Pioneer, but we know is still around and it's still very good. Yep. Uh, let's talk about the Celestis. Three mana for Legendary Artifact. This is one that's going to take a lot of testing and comprehension with. So if it's neither night nor day, day nor night, it becomes day as the Celestis enters the battlefield. You can tap it, add one mana of any color, or three and tap it. If it's night, it becomes day. Otherwise, it becomes night. Activate only as a sorcery. Whenever day becomes night or night becomes day, you gain one life. You may draw a card if you do this to card a card. So here's our way to really control if it's night or day. Yeah, agreed. I, I don't see this doing it. I think there's just too many. It's just too expensive for what it does. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. It does come with a rummage. I just think there's better ways to rummage. If I'm in some kind of control deck, I've seen a bunch of ways that reward me for playing a bunch of spells. I've seen cards that do all kinds of stuff. So I don't think this is going to quite make it a pioneer. For sure. All right. Now we have our marquee vampire uncommon vampire socialite. Black and a red for a 2-2 Vampire Noble with Menace. Whenever Vampire Socialite enters the battlefield, if an opponent lost life this turn, put a 1-1 counter on each other Vampire you control. Oh, where we heard that ability before, Chris. Mm-hmm. Or at least a similar one with Folia's Lieutenant. Yep. Then as long as an opponent lost life this turn, each other Vampire you control enters the battlefield with an additional 1-1 counter on it. So this card will always stay as a one as a 2-2. But... Hey, if our opponents lost life this turn, I'm going to lord all of the ones that are in play. And on subsequent turns, opponents lose life. Any subsequent vampire you play is going to get a counter as well. I mean, this is obviously like one of the premier twos to go in with my one mana one, right? Where like, assumedly it doesn't die because my opponent played a tap land or, you know, the format's just a little bit more mid-rangey right now. Obviously on the weeks where Arcanist is around, completely ignore that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like when Arcanist is around as, as the premier cheap red black deck, you're probably just going to get rolled. But if you get to live the dream, my little vampire becomes a 3-2. This thing has menace to make sure I'm still dealing damage and trying to get to sack off my stuff. So, you know, I, I could see that. And a lot of players do like to cast removal spells as they're about to take damage. So, you know, when I'm attacking, that's when they're going to want to target my stuff. And if I've got some kind of cute slang spire or something like that in response to deal the damage to sack something off, you know, my opponent may not know, uh, you know, or may not play around that kind of effect. And then I can just, you know, get kind of a two for one there by sacking my creature and drawing multiple cards, right? So. Mm-hmm, definitely. All right, here's a rare I really want to talk about. Okay. I think it's really, really sick here. Graveyard Trespasser. Two and a black for a 3-3 three, three human werewolf. We get a black werewolf. We don't really see much, a lot of those. With Ward, discard a card. Hey, Sedgemore Witch vibes right there. Whenever Graveyard Trespasser enters the battlefield or attacks, exile to one target card from a graveyard. If a creature was exiled this way, each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. So, of course, it's a werewolf, so it's daybound and nightbound. So our backside here is Graveyard Glutton with Ward Discard a card. It's a 4-4 now, but hey, instead of exiling one card, we could exile two cards, and for each creature card exiled this way, each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. Yeah. I mean, I'm tired of effects like this, so I don't have much to say, so you, <laughs> you, go, you go ahead and go on. I hate that it removes my yard. I just, like, I think this card is really sweet. You know, I loved uh, Death Gorge Scavenger, when that was in standard, uh, I think this is a card that if we get a rock deck ever in Pioneer, you know, maybe it gets to live in, like, I don't know if we're main board in this, but it gets to live in the sideboard, and I don't think that's a bad thing. 
Yeah, I mean the front side's a human, so you got that right. I mean, there's black white humans that are running around. Obviously, mm-hmm. the back side you lose your your human uh, synergies, but you drain them for two and gain two, right? Yeah, because uh, you get two, and then it's also a, a four four. I mean, yep. Maybe that's worth it, right? All right, what is our? Oh my gosh, this card's not mythic. I didn't realize this card was a mythic. What's our mythic, Chris? No, this card's not a mythic. You're kidding. It's a mythic. It's it's just that the it's just that the art of it, right? No I way. think it's a mythic. I think it's a mythic. Oh my goodness! Uh, no, no, it's a rare. Okay. okay, yeah. There's no. It's a one mana. It's a one mana chip. We're talking about, of course, Curse of Silence. It costs a single white for an enchantment or a curse. The art on this little, little wonky, little weird looking. Uh, obviously, it's a curse. So you enchant a player, and it uh, enters the battlefield. You choose a card name. Spells with the chosen name. Enchanted, uh, enchanted player casts. Costs two more to cast. And whenever enchanted player casts a spell with a chosen name, you may sacrifice it. And if you do, draw a card. I think this card's sweet. Yeah, I like this card a lot. I mean, look, I know one of the things our Discord keeps talking about always is can we make death and taxes work in Pioneer? Mm-hmm. And this is a step in the right direction. I mean, this is a card that I'm going to play like one or two of in the main, mm-hmm. and then when I know my matchup, I can board in additional copies and just start naming marquee cards the matchup right. I think the big thing here is you can name cards early on, right? Like, like it's Paulo without being Paulo, right? right? So you get to blindly name cards, and we can set up for our Paulos. Um, so we get to name, like, one of the early spells, right? Like, you play this, you get to name, like, Thoughtseize, or you get to name, like, an early counter spell that opponent's going to try to, like, trip you up with. Meanwhile, when they have the mana to start casting those spells, well, now you're going to sack this and start drawing a card. Yeah, the, the only reason I could see this being played is actually in enchantments in, in my view of it. I, I definitely don't hate it, but I again, I'm really cool on these kinds of cards because the amount of times I see people put them in or play them on cards that aren't that effective, you know? Well, I, I mean, I here's the thing. Played, this this is this is the skill test card, right? Like, I think you don't right. want to name yep. something bad. Like, yeah. you, But you're going to name, like, you have to start thinking about, like, what is, a, what is a card that my opponent needs to play that's like a four of in their deck? What's a card they can't go without not casting this game? Yeah, I and I think that's it though. I think I think my only fear there is that if this is going to be a a sideboard card, there had to have been something better, right? Like my my issue here is just for the convenience of it. Like I played a card to do this, I have to hope they have the card and then want to pay the two more for it to give me my card back, right? And obviously at that point you're going, well, I kept him from casting the card, but you know. I don't know that it was enough for my one mana thing, unless I'm in enchantments. If I'm in enchantments, this is a one mana white enchantment. Uh, then I definitely see it. Right? It might have drawn I mean, us a card if we're if we're rightsing. What's that? It might have drawn us a card too if we're rightsing. That's my exact point. Yeah, I mean the fact that it's so cheap uh, could definitely be something there. Again, I I like it in combo with something else on uh, on some turns, but not so on its own. But again, the fact that it's enchantment, I think, is there. Um, I wanted to bring up seize the storm real quick, just because I think this card is potentially yeah. real. Which, what is what we got here? Seize the storm makes Sick us. Art, by the way, yeah, right. Seize the storm makes us a crackling drake that doesn't have flying, so it costs four colorless and a red. So it's very expensive. It's a sorcery. Create a red elemental creature token with trample, so it doesn't have flying, but it's got trample. And this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard, plus the number of cards with flashback you own in exile. So uh, it doesn't count all of my exiled cards, which I guess I misread. Just the number, just the number of flashback ones that I've got. But you could potentially work that to our advantage, and then it has flashback for six and a red. Uh-huh. So we make a big duder with trample, which I don't think is irrelevant. 
right? Sure. The, the only thing I'm afraid about this is a lot of times in decks like this, it's maybe the only creatures and our creature token does die to all the premium removal. So, you know, they're just going to be saving up the removal they had and be like, oh, hey, look, there's a target. But, you know, I could see it, especially if you've got ways to protect this thing. I'm looking at ways where you could just, like, make this thing and then fling it with, the, like, treasure tokens, right? We yeah. cast a bunch of spells, we made a bunch of treasure tokens, we played some kind of control deck, and this is how we finish off with our semi-combo deck, right? In decks where we, we couldn't quite finish them off with our Dynavolt Towers and our new artifact that's out, you've got this as a cute finisher also, so... Are we got a Pivot Needle reprint with probably the most disturbing art we've had for Pivot Needle. Yeah, I think so. Uh, all right, here here's the point of contention card. We have Faithful Mending, so we don't get Faithless Looting. We get Faithful Mending instead. Two in a blue, or one in a blue. Sorry, white in a blue. We'll True. get there eventually. Um, we get an instant with you gain two life. You draw two cards, then discard two cards, and it flashes back for one white blue. Yeah, this this right now is on my list for one of the strongest cards that I've seen. I think so too. Um, it's it's the big thing that we we can't yell into the microphones loud enough is this is an instant, which is pretty huge. And again, one thing I think that makes this kind of interesting is that um, the big deck we were talking about this right was God Pharaoh's gift. Yep, really, you were the one who brought it up uh, before I even thought about that because I was just like, wow, this has to have a home. And even then, you know, the one of the ways you can get around some of the graveyard hate if you can do it at the end of your opponent's turn. Right. And then just get it back uh, immediately. You know, assuming you discarded whatever you needed to get back and then you cast a spell to get your stuff back. There's stuff there. Um, Even then, I, I thought just as a card, this card was pretty decent. It gains us two life, which is obviously why the white's there. Um, and then we get to filter. So the first time we cast this, it's like Faithless Looting. It is card disadvantage, right? We use this out of our, our hand. So we're down a card to get card selection. But the flashback for three, which is the same cost as Faithless Looting, which they really could have made this cost four. The fact they made this cost three, one extra colorless versus the cost, I think was what makes this an absolute home run. And so we're still figuring out places for this right now, but I absolutely think this instantly makes Godfrey's Gift at least like a tier three deck, at least playable, right? I mean, the fact that it gains you life early to, to kind of stop your beatdowns from aggro, which is where that deck was having issues before. Um, so, you know, your game one really increases because you're gaining two life each time you get this. So I mean, you could so, just go this on two, this on three. I think like what's really interesting right now is there are so many different ways you could build like a Jeskai decklist with just all the different candidates yep. you have available. Mm-hmm. Like we have this, we have Express Federation from the last set, and then we also have um, the like the what, the Boros Cathartic Reunion that lets you play a land. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. There are so many options right now for cantrips, depending on what you're wanting to play. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think this card is, again, it's maybe not our control card, but, you know, I could see this like, hey, you know, I, I, I easily see this like we could play this as like a two of in like a control shell, right? Like not every card has to be a four of. Right. Um, and this could definitely be a rule filler. I think gaining two life, not irrelevant at all in this format. Uh, like that that is the difference between winning and losing and it's burn sometimes yeah um so i definitely think don't sleep on this card and i wouldn't be surprised if this makes our top five or even our top our top ten or maybe even our top five maybe so i mean your downsides are it competes with expressive federation right and it's you know a little bit of a more expensive cost faithless looting but like you know if faithless looting was in this format it would be op busted but right? i think this is also a different card from faithless from expressive federation 
Yeah, great. Uh, no, I definitely, I'm definitely with you on that. I, I think again, it's, it's just competing at the two drop slot, which is the only downside. Yeah. But the upsides, right? You know what cards are legal in this format that are legal in no other format? The delve spells. The delve spells, right? And I know, I know you knew the answer to that question because <laughs> we were talking about <laughs> it earlier. But holy crap, the combo with this and either treasure cruise or even dig through time—that's yeah. why I was talking about this. Like maybe in any kind of shell. Like obviously, you don't want to be down cards in control, but just the fact that it, it just feeds more cards to your yard for cards like that, which are obviously insane. But I, I think the other thing is that anymore. it being instant speed really downplays the fact that you're down cards because you're not yeah. tapping out for a sorcery with this, right? right? Like right. you're just like. All right, I'm going to leave up my negate. Oh, opponent did nothing. Cool. End of turn, yep. faithless mending. I'm still down a card, but in the grand scheme of things, oh well. Because what do you want to do every turn in control? I either want to counter my opponent's thing or just keep filtering my hand. You nailed it. Because what, we're, what are we looking for? Land drops, right? Yeah. Every turn we need to hit our land drops. You In control, you cannot afford to miss land drops. And so your big problem in control is kind of the same problem you sometimes see in ramp, where it's like too much of one or the other. You draw too many lands, you don't have any action. You draw too many spells, you don't have your land drops. This is a way to guarantee where I, I not only get to stop my opponent from doing what they're doing, like you br- brilliantly mentioned with the negate, with a Jawari disruption, with some kind of nonsense like that, some kind of counter spell, whatever it might even be. Maybe we're even Jeskai for Is It Charm or whatever it might be right but then like you said they don't or they are afraid of the threat of it so they don't want to cast their premier two drop or get it killed boom we get to cast this and just make sure we've got the setup for whatever and then we get to threaten it again right like opponent doesn't know what happened we make our land drop yeah we may have been down a card but the second time we're not so for five mana right over the course of two turns we got to filter four cards and gain yeah. four life. Like, the decks that were still playing, like, Azorius Charm, like, months ago, right? Like, mm-hmm. how many times were you actually resetting a creature with Azorius Charm? Not many. You're just really just using it to filter your draw. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it was there as, like, an, you know, an additional effect. But, I don't know. I, obviously, we're very high on this card right now. So, um, excited about uh, excited about this one. All right. Uh, I didn't realize this card was so rare, but Croaking Counterpart, one green and a blue for a sorcerer creature token that's an exact copy of target non-frog creature, except it's a one, one, one green frog, and it flashes back to three green, blue, whatever. I didn't. I thought it was uncommon, honestly. I didn't realize it was a rare. Yeah, I mean, somebody's going to do something dumb with this. I think this is going to be a very, very fun Pioneer card. I can see this being very, very strong. There's a lot of effects out there. So, hey, go bonkers with your frog tokens. You know somebody's going to do something broke. Yeah. Uh, unnatural growth one in quad green for an enchantment at the beginning of, com- of each combat double the power dumbness of each creature you control until the end of turn yeah. wow How, what this this is the card we needed for our hard hitting monsters yeah i was about to say i mean this is one of those things somebody's gonna find a way to cheat this in a play and and make me regret calling this card a uh, a bulk rare but hey if you could cheat this in a play awesome otherwise uh, uh you know it costs five <laughs> it's a lot all right what do you think of this next creature we got here the next creature we got here is Sludge Monster. I'm pretty interested in this card, but again, I, I do think that it's a, a little bit tough in the environment that we're in. So Sludge Monster costs three colorless and double blue. It is a 5-5 five, five creature horror. Uh, whenever it enters the battlefield or attacks, you put a slime counter on up to one other target creature. Non-horror creatures with slime counters on them lose all abilities and have base power and toughness to two. Now, let me just make sure I understand this correctly now. When this creature isn't in play, there's no universal ability for a slam counter, right? Correct. Yeah, so uh, the only it matters if this creature's in play. But, you know, hey, it comes down and it neuters some stuff, right? Do, do you see a home for this right now? Not entirely. Is there something you have in mind? No, I, you know, I, I really don't. I, I definitely think you could. You know, I mean, there's so many kind of mid-rangey decks 
this is this seems like a decent way to stop our opponent shenanigans. And again, it is very, very hard to remove. Um, I almost wish it could give itself some kind of counter because like then we can dodge um, Heartless Act, but obviously we've got our two-mana premium, two-mana removal spell on this set anyway that just kills everything for the cost of two life. So we can't quite think of it like that, I guess, anymore. Um, but I mean, it immediately comes into play a neuter or something. So there is that, right? I mean, uh, if removal gets lighter on removal light weeks where you know, you're, you're you're hoping your opponent doesn't have their blood chief thirst. I could see it. I mean, this is a very, very powerful effect, right? Getting to neuter your opponent's best thing. That Croxa uh, ain't doing quite so much anymore. But I guess the problem with that line of thought is then my opponent, you know, sacks it to something and then just gets it back anyway. So I, I don't know, you know? Yeah, I agree. That's, um, that's what we I'll, think about that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. Two, last two cards. Uh, God, one – I. I it's just the last one's really unnerving. I just keep looking over, just keeps staring at me. So I'm going to wait as long as possible before we start talking about it. Uh, Diagraph Rebirth, three black green for a sorcery. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature that died this turn. Turn target creature card from the graveyard to the battlefield. Flashback is five green, five black green. Yeah. I mean, this card's playable. Right, I mean, we've we've just I just we've had good reanimate spells already with like bone splinters type we stuff. The, like the we just need the good one. targets. Yeah, we're just we really are lacking the creatures that really come into play and impact the game. All right, now let's talk about the guy who just like I just it's like one of those just the gag of just like you're just looking around, you're just like goes ah. Yeah, exactly right. No, that, that's exactly the vibe I get from this. By the way, I had to refresh to see this card when you were like, "There's two more cards." I was like, "What are you talking about?" And then it scared you, didn't you, when you first yeah, saw? You're that's like, ah. exactly right. I refreshed and I jumped. <laughs> all right flesh take got it i just can't who, who's the artist on this kev walker kev walker out of applause for kev walker everyone he uh really knocked it out of the park he was yeah, get, get some help kev walker get some help <laughs> that's kev walker in the picture actually that's yeah, 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 yeah that's what it is self, self-portrait there uh flesh taker white and a black for a 2-2 human assassin i mean fair enough this guy's if this guy's gonna sneak up on me I'm just going to like open my arms. Just, just take me. I don't, I don't want to. Yeah. I didn't think the purge could get any more creepy, right? <laughs> so it's a two, two with whatever you sacrifice another creature, you gain one life and scry one. And then for a colorless and sacrifice another creature, flesh taker gets plus two, plus two until end of turn, a soulless husk of endless hunger. Oh no. The top comment on the mythic spoiler site right now is, and the award for creepiest card ever printed goes to, <laughs> yeah i mean pretty much right yeah i what do you think are we are we getting close to aristocrats yeah oh absolutely i mean i was gonna say the power level of this card uh it's just an uncommon but it it's waiting to uh to find a home i mean the coloring on this is a little bit uh different with the white black instead of the red black i think if it was red black it would obviously slot too well into some of the gun shenanigans going on right now but this again, maybe you just maybe you switch the colors up to become worth it. I could definitely see this being just your preference for a flavor, right? If yeah. if you like playing white, maybe play some siege rhino, maybe or I don't know, I don't know just something crazy. You at, know? At, the, at the very least, you're just going to win because your opponent isn't going to want to sit across the table. From this card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just make sure this card faces your opponent. Yeah, right? turn them upside down. Just yeah. Yep, get yep. get the get a playmat, get a t-shirt. Yep. Get your friend to dress up as whatever the F this <laughs> get, is get, and get, wait get behind your... your opponent. That's that's the real way to win. Talk about an early GG, you know what I'm saying? This who's that? Don't talk don't don't we're not gonna talk about him. We don't talk about it. 
But seriously, the power level of this card seems insane. Uh, you know, a, a year ago, we would have seen some, or sorry, before Throne of Eldraine, let me put it that way, you would have seen this card have a restricted on its one mana sack ability, right? Obviously, yeah. the fact that it's not free, everybody's thankful for, for some of the shenanigans that can bring. But even at one mana, that's pretty cheap. Uh, and the fact that worry. it's repeatable is nice. We still, ha- we still have Cartel Aristocrat and like hidden stockpiles, right? Like we're just going to just churn through our library. Yeah, I mean, exactly right, right? There's, there's, you know, there we've seen combo decks before that could literally just scry through your entire yeah. library I mean, to set it up however you wanted. The, the, the art goes with how spooky this card can be. Yeah, agreed, agreed. For your uh, pony, I'm, I'm excited to pick up my place set of foils and then just bury them deep in the uncommon yeah, box. Yeah, you keep them in the safety the... deposit box until you need them. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a deck box that has a lock on it. And they're gonna sit inside there with nothing else. Yep. And uh, I'm gonna probably have it blessed. I'm gonna have some uh, prayers just sealed around the inside of it. Don't tell me that, because then what I'm gonna do is like as soon as you do that, I'm gonna buy a bunch of foils myself and start leaving them around your apartment, so that you're like, wait, how did it get out of the safe? Oh no! Yeah. Exactly oh no! Right. Give you nightmares for the rest of your life. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for spoilers. There was that was quite a lot. Uh, but thank you, Chris, for joining me for this. Yeah, sorry um, I went so long. There was a lot to go through. I was wondering yeah. if we should just stop, but no, just, it's fine. You know, hey, we whatever. Power, We're doing power it. through. We did uh, it. Hopefully, this I'm is so going to be thirsty. out for you all on. That's why I grabbed a drink beforehand. Hope this will be out for you on Monday, Tuesday, at the latest. Uh, thanks for tuning in. As always, this has been Rocking with Crew 3 with Chris. Also, big shouts to the Patreon supporters. Reminder if you want to check the description below, there's a link to our Inked Gaming page. If you want to buy one of our playmats, or again, hey, go check out the Patreon. Support us in one of those variety of ways. Uh, we'll talk to you all for the regular episode next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.